Welcome back to episode nine, covering week eight of the 2022 NFL season. My name is Jeremy Dixon, also known as an unapologetic Zach Wilson <laughs> apologist, I guess, uh, here with Mike Parker. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, Mike, I'm just going to lead with this real quick. Sure. I wanted to pull what little hair I have on my head out <laughs> in the, the final three quarters of the New England uh, New York Jets game on it start, Sunday. It started off good, didn't it? My God, Zach Wilson looked like the the next coming of Joe Willie Namath. Well, maybe not that good, but he had 132 yards in the first quarter. I, I sent you a text talking trash about it and immediately thought that might have been a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And then you sent me a tweet from Mina Kimes saying, wow, Zach Wilson just had his best quarter as a as an NFL player. I probably won't regret this tweet in a couple hours, LOL, or something <laughs> yeah. along those lines. And I knew it was over. What, not, not right then. 10 minutes later he throws his first interception? My God, he was running. When we went and watched the seventh grade football team play um, a few weeks back, Yeah. Their offense looked better than the New York Jets' offense they from have, quarter two on. The Jets have a lot of good players. There's no question. A lot of young, good players. Um, just one of them is not. <laughs> no, not it's Zach not. Wilson. And I'm and until he does something to to prove me wrong, I'm I'm out on Zach Wilson. You're right. I'm wrong, and you don't know how bad it pains me to say that because I can see the joy in your face right now i'm not gonna gloat or anything like okay. that i want to let you know all right well let's dig into this because uh, it was a good week of football other than that for a me a lot to talk about this and week. uh yeah we got we got some good stories so yeah we'll take it away mike all right well we'll start with you know how we did with betting this week so i had Ugh. i had six bets i actually did really really well so i was going for value like i did this week i was just trying to find something in the positive territory uh, my first bet I mean, I failed right out of the gates. I got Baltimore and Moneyline at Tampa Bay uh, with the under 45 and a half. Now, I hit Baltimore, obviously, and I was in route yeah. to nailing the second leg. And then Tom Brady had to come back and get a touchdown late in the game. Um, didn't matter. Uh, Baltimore still won, but it, it I yeah. lost some money. So yeah. I want to talk. I want to talk about Tom Brady in a minute yep. when we go over the yep. games too. But yeah, my my next one's uh, New England uh, minus one and a half at the Jets, and then the under forty and a half. So that was plus two fifty nine. I hit on that, so that was a good one. Uh, my second one was money uh, Washington money line at Indianapolis uh, plus one twenty eight. Pulled that one out last second of the fourth quarter, one by one beautiful i was like really this is the last time it's the first time i can remember like actually raising a fist up for a washington football team um, i could just see you in front in front of the tv doing that too like yes i got it here we go uh, my next one is arizona at minnesota minus three and a half with the over 48 and a half that was plus 231 i hit that um this one really sucked it looked like it was going to go my way um, but we'll talk about Buffalo a little bit later. I had Green Bay at Buffalo minus 10 and a half and the over 47 and a half for plus 230. Uh, missed on both of those. I think uh, Buffalo won by 10 points. 
and they uh, went under on the, I think they went 44 points on, on the day. Oh, so okay. that really kind of sucked. I also, my last bet, I had uh, San Francisco money line at the Rams and Cincinnati money line at Cleveland uh, for plus 179. Obviously, I hit the San Francisco game, lost the Cincinnati game. That was one, that was a parlay bet that you had put in yeah. together, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, good call. Yeah, so my I, I was up three hundred and eighteen dollars for the week, and I'm chipping away at at my uh, my negative for the year. So I'm only I'm only down two thirty three forty one two two hundred thirty three dollars forty one cents. Nice, nice. So that's that's how did you do this week? Uh, n- not not so well, not so well, Mike. Um, I mean, I was yeah. So I, I had the Steelers uh, plus eleven at the Eagles. I'm done betting on the Steelers this year. It's, they're, um, they're tough to pick. They're just not a good football team right now, or at least not against good football teams. I'm not betting on them anymore. Uh, they just – it was not not a good game from them. They and, and they were kind of keeping it close for a while, and the Eagles just ran it up in the second half. I was just holding out hope that they could – you know, come back and get some garbage time touchdowns didn't happen. I think they won by 18 or 20 or something. Um, I, I then I had the Bengals minus three and a half at the Browns. Rough. Just a tro. I mean, like shocking, really. Yeah, like I could not believe. I mean, I get the get it. The Browns are home, but like God, Jacoby Brissett is still Jacoby Brissett. Like, what are we doing here? Um, and yeah, that, that makes me, I know we're going to get to our kind of our playoff breakdown, but it makes me really question the Bengals at this point, because if you can take Jamar chase out of that offense and they turn into a pumpkin, you know, but the problem is in the AFC, especially it gets really dirty in that six, seven, eight range. So yeah, I was looking at the standings and it's, I don't know what to put in there. So right. we'll, we'll, we'll go into more detail about that later. And then, uh, my third game I, that I did hit and, just barely, and it was ugly. And I, this was the game I was most worried about because I think the next day after we had recorded this, they announced that Ryan Tannehill wasn't starting and Malik Willis would be starting. It was rough, too. But uh, yeah. Derrick Henry to the rescue. So Derrick Henry, Super I should say, beat the Texans uh, 17 to, to 10. So I did uh, did get that one right. And that defense. And, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think me and you could probably – play defense against the Houston Texans man maybe not but (laughs) the funny thing is though is that uh so I put in a parlay bet like for real like just a five dollar parlay bet and I bet on Monday night I bet what I thought was Cincinnati minus three and a half I think it was down to minus three at that point Mm -hmm. um at the Bengals and I bet the over in that game um and then I'd bet on the World Series. I put in uh, Philly plus one and a half. <clears throat> mm. So uh, the World Series game got rained out that night, so it just canceled that bet. It didn't. Unfortunately, it didn't roll it over to the next night. But I looked on there the next day, and I guess I had chosen Cleveland plus three and a half or plus three, whatever. They just the, canceled that leg. Yeah, they oh. just canceled. So it was just a two-team parlay at that point. Okay. Um, and like the over under over under on that game was like forty six, and I think it was eleven zero at halftime. So I was like, I'm screwed on that one either way. And I, I but they ended up going over with a bunch of garbage. So you won time. the bet. So I won the bet. So I man, sometimes yeah. it's better to be lucky than I know, good. Huh? For real. So what's your payout on that? It was only like eleven dollars. I think it would have so. been twenty seven if I would have had all three. Eleven, legs. 11 with the five or six. Yeah, you get five. You get your five back <laughs> yeah, plus right. eleven, I think, or ten seventy six. Well, I am. Or I, 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 
ask the question, you answer the question I asked, not what I meant. So right. I, I get it. <laughs> it yeah, happens. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, so so that was my uh, weekend of betting. So not I'm, too I'm bad. down. Fun though. Yeah. So I went from uh, I was 300 up uh, going into this week. Now I'm 200 up. So I lost lost two bets. One one. Net 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 loss of a hundred dollars. So there, there you go. I'm at plus two hundred on the season. I will say, just similar to when I started in fantasy football, just watching watching other teams for these other players, and kind of that was very integral in kind of how into the NFL I became. This is kind of like helping you do you that know, again. One, you know, yeah, it's one uh, B of that you know, for me, just kind of like really paying attention to things and, and having some, some stakes right. in, in the game. No, I, you know, it's funny, man. I didn't even bet. I think I might've bet on the Thursday night game and lost. And then, uh, I don't think I bet anything else on Sunday, but I was like watching my team. Like I was keeping a close eye on the games that I had bet on. So I was, uh, I was, it wasn't as much fun, definitely, as having money, like actual money on yeah. it, but it was still pretty fun. I had a good time. So, All right, so let's jump into our observations for week eight. Um, oh. Just really quick, <clears throat> we had two buys, Kansas City Chiefs and um, the San Diego Chargers. I said that deliberately. <laughs> um, so uh, the first game, it was the Thursday game, Baltimore at Tampa Bay. I know you have some thoughts. This was a tough week for Brady. Um, here was his week. He lost to Baltimore. Uh, it was he's first on all-time uh, list for sacks at 556. It's the first time he's lost three games in a row since 2002, and his divorce was finalized. That's a rough week. Yeah, no doubt. I saw, and, and the tweets were just relentless. All, all, uh, basically from Thursday till uh, uh, Antonio Friday. Brown was trending. Oh God. Um, I did see a pretty good tweet that said that uh, Giselle joins Nick Foles and Eli Manning as the only people to take a ring away from Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, made me laugh. at some level, you have to, like, just give give the people a break. Yeah. You know, these are their lives. Right. No doubt. But, it, you know, I don't know Tom Brady, but it's still I mean, yeah, you can still, I guess, laugh here and there. But, yeah, he got it pretty good this week. All right. So and uh, so anyway, I wanted to say uh, his first quarter. He looked like a different player in the first quarter of that game. First two drives of that game, he looked like t- ten years ago. Tom Brady, like looked fantastic. Was was throwing the ball all over the field. What like the line was holding up for him well, and then he just it was crazy after that. Like the the tides turned so quickly. Defensive on adjustments. Him. Yeah. And they in Baltimore just pressure, added pressure, pressure, pressure. Baltimore just added Roquan Smith. That's going to be yeah a big big point. Well, they need some size up front to stop the run. I mean, they got a Patrick Queen's good, but I mean he's just not big enough sometimes. Yeah. To yeah. All right, cool. Any other thoughts on that game? Um, you know, I just I was impressed that Baltimore was able to to. I mean, they had to come back again. I don't think they got. I know prior to that game, I think they had been down by double digits in every game, and you know they were four and three or four and two at that point and they they're four and three I think and they were able to come back and um you know still win four of those games but now they're they're able to you know they didn't actually get down that much thankfully and yeah no I'm I'm, I'm a Ravens fan I'm I'm buying some property myself I'm, but I'm on Ravens I'm Island uh, I'm up on uh, Lamar Jackson but just yeah. something's missing this year he's 
He's well, they have no wide scrambling. receivers, man. Like that's the no, problem. I get it, but they never have really. They never had right. the wide receivers that they needed to get downfield. Mm-hmm. So they used those tight ends, and they were down a tight end. But there's got to oh, be yeah, a Mark way. Yeah, Mark Andrews went out. But, so. but some of it's just not on them either. He's not reading the blitzes when he gr- rolls out. He's lofting the passes. There's there's things that he can do to improve. He can run in those scenarios, which he's not doing right now. Right. So and it, it, it almost feels like, like a protect myself for the contract. Yeah, that could be situation. I think year. that yeah, that gets in those guys' head. But it it, it really that game seemed like those first two drives and, and Lamar Jackson kind of looked equally bad during those first two drives um, of the Baltimore offense, and then they just switched places and Lamar Jackson went off and Tom Brady didn't do anything. So there you go. All right. All right. <clears throat> Denver at. Uh, Jacksonville, this game was played at Wembley Stadium in London. I woke up at 6.30 a.m. to watch this. this that's just the dumbest thing watched I've heard today. Every, watched every second of this game and was I so... Think, I think I was up at 7.30 Completely pissed it. off. Yeah. I, so my take is Trevor might not be ready. He goes 18 for 31, 58%, one touchdown, two interceptions, and a fumble. One of which was the worst interception I've ever seen Didn't in make my any life. sense. We're, don't know what he's looking uh, yeah, at. Yeah, don't know what the hell he saw. So they lost 21 to 17. It was a close game, you know, by score and by, mm-hmm. you know, no one was really like taking Yeah, charge. I'm not feeling good if I'm a Bronco but, fan. But today. he played like trash. He's a, he's a zone read quarterback, and they have him out there making all of these reads and decisions. I'm not sure he's ready to be at that level yet. I think he has the arm talent. I think he's a good enough quarterback. It's just, can he pick up some of the concepts? I might pull him back if I was Doug Peterson and put him more in those those zone reads. He's a good running quarterback. You have have him make just a, run at all. a read or two and then go or a read or two and make the throw. Yeah. Let's let's make things simple for him and then help him learn. Yeah, I don't think Doug Peterson's doing him any favors. But on the other hand, Travis ATN looked fantastic. I was going to say he looks like a premier running back right now. He looked great. So the one big, there was one big throw from Russell that really kind of decided the game, albeit it was a little underthrown. Um, it was in the fourth quarter, down to Hamler, uh, sets up the touchdown. That, that came, I think, three or four plays later. So that was the difference of the game, really. The um, rest of it was pretty unexciting. Um, so I don't yeah, know. One yeah. big play from Russell made the difference. That's a fact. All right, what's next? We got Carolina at Atlanta. Uh, man, these teams are competing. <laughs> this was a fun game to watch. It was. To me, Arthur Smith looks like the real deal as far as coaching. And I don't know what Steve Wilkes is putting in the water over there, but it seems like he's a potential head coach candidate as well. If, if anyone can get that team with that level of talent to play that hard right. and compete, I mean – I, don't, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't hire somebody that has that, that was level so of motivation. Much, uh, uh, PJ Walker? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's so unknown. I don't even know his name by heart right yet. But uh, uh, what he, is it? He uh, looked XFL? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he looked great. I mean, that, that, throwing the ball downfield. That game was like the ending of that thing was crazy. I mean, Carolina should have won. The Carolina should the excessive be two and celebration penalty affected the outcome of the game more than I've ever seen. It's it was ridiculous. He was out of bounds when he took his helmet off. Why are they throwing a, the flag when he's out of bounds? Completely ridiculous. Yeah, they they. I mean, they should have won that game. They. I mean, they, they, and I think if they won that game, 
they're tied with Atlanta and they w- Tampa Bay for the for first place in the division. Right? No, they wouldn't have been tied. They would have oh. been ahead of Tampa. Oh, right. Okay. And they would have, because of the tiebreaker, because they just won, would have been at the top. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous, man. Get it right, NFL. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> All right. Chicago at Dallas. Um, you know what? Dak is running the offense pretty well. I think the main difference between him and Cooper Rush is the moments where they're like third and long. Those, those, those situations where something has to happen. Dak looks very calm. He's cool, collected. And it seems like he sees the field. I think if you run it, really want to take a look at like what a backup quarterback brings you versus what a starting quarterback gives you in many cases, especially one in the top 10, 12, like Dak, is just he's calm. He knows what he can do. He knows where his guys are going to be. He has faith in his ability. He doesn't panic. Um, so for those, I was pretty impressed with the way he played. But really, the winner of, of that game was Tony Pollard, 131 yards and three TDs. Uh, he looks way more explosive than Zeke. Um, there's been a lot of noise uh, in the sports pundit world uh, to that fact that he just looks better. Uh, and it's weird that Jerry Jones has doubled down on the idea that Zeke's our quote-unquote guy. I mean, it's nothing yeah. like an old white guy to double down on a bad decision, right? <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah, the, you know, Dallas looks good, man. They look like they – I mean, I, they deserve I to be there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not a big fan, but I, yeah. I think that it they're. Is what it is. Yeah, I think they're gonna. They're gonna have something to say for the. Maybe the this was the missing the piece, right? They get that 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 rushing game rolling, and they're gonna be tough to beat because you bring those safeties up. You have to have extra men in the box, and then Dak, you know, just starts picking you apart. Um, I did notice that Justin Fields is pretty much balling right now. He really looks good. He's bum. He's been above sixty percent completion over his last two games. Uh, in those last two games, his uh, passing yards is on average one hundred and sixty per game, which is low. But he's rushing for another um, seventy per game, and a total of five TDs to one interception. So his numbers, his production numbers, his touchdown numbers look great. They're they're using him in the run, which everyone's been saying for like the last two seasons. Like you should move move this guy around a lot. He has an amazing, strong arm down the field. He needs to work on his accuracy. What I found was the short uh, throws he's good at and the long throws over the top he's relatively good at. What the, the ones that he seems to be difficult at is when he has to get over the, the first two lines of defense and kind of drop it inside there in front of the safeties. Those right. small windows he's having trouble hitting. So I'd like to see that a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, and then I think he can definitely learn that. And he has no I – mean, yeah, he's doing this all with no wide receivers. I know they well, just that's traded a good, that's for, a good point too. Like, yeah, they made a trade for one. But. Let's say you get a wide receiver that understands spacing and gets in there and, and finds those those gaps in the defense and gives him – gives uh, Fields a little bit bigger window. Yeah, yeah. I heard uh, Cam Cleland on, who's former – uh, NFL tight end with uh, like New Orleans, New Orleans a few yeah. other few other teams. I think he bounced around a little bit, but he he's uh, he calls the University of Washington Huskies games now, and uh, he was on. And he talked how about how uh, Mike McCarthy, when he was the offensive coordinator at one of his stops, uh, he had taught him about spacing and how important that is in the right. NFL compared to any other level of football. So, Well, that's a tidbit. The last time Mike McCarthy taught somebody something, <laughs> that's that's awesome. Good story. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Uh, next one is Miami at Detroit. Um, Tariq Hill is balling out, but two underthrows his deep balls all the time. He had to for the. I saw two yeah. big throws that he had to come back to get. Um, he throws under twenty five yards so good. It's accurate. It's coming out on a rope. He seems to read the field very well. He knows where he wants to go. He seems to understand his defenses. I just, I, those deep throws, he can't make it. Do you think it's just because it's Tyreek Hill is so fast? Ty and Jalen Waddle are both so quick, man. Is it that he just can't it could be, get it, it out to them? It could be it, a piece of that, but yeah. um, I saw this analysis of him is when he throws the deep ball, he opens his, his uh, hips up. Um, they, I think it's called stepping in the bucket when you open too much and you're not, you need to be squared up. Um, like your foot has to be facing your front foot has to be pretty much facing the direction that you want to go. And when you open up the hips, you, you lose the power from your core to get the ball downfield. Right. Now that means that there's potential for somebody to work with him and get his technique down a little bit. And maybe he can get, and I, he doesn't need much. But if he can get another eight to ten air yards out of those throw, um, like Russell's not the greatest thrower deep, but when you watch him throw, he he he's his body's in position, and that <laughs> core just fires it down there. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a good. I did notice that too that he had underthrown that, and I was thinking about that. I was wondering. I was wanted to find out what your opinion was if you thought he was just uh, not able to catch up to those guys who are two of the fastest wide receivers in the, in the sport. Mahomes had trouble getting out to Tyreek from time to time. Mm -hmm. So it's, he's, he gets out there quickly. Um, and maybe that's anticipation and timing. You just to have him get out there and run underneath it. But one particular throw that I saw, he basically threw it into double coverage. It was dropping right in the safety's hands. And then Tyreek just came over the top and stole it from it. And it was, he had to break his route pretty, pretty early to get to it. So to me, that's just a, a underthrow. Yeah, yeah. All right, so on the Detroit side, I did notice, um, I, as I think a lot of people have, is they can't stop anybody. Mm -hmm. So that's a big problem, I guess. Um, I'm not sure if it's a coaching issue or just a lack of talent. Um, I took a look at their second pick of the draft, a Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Uh, he only has four and a half sacks uh, this year so far, and three of those came against Washington and the sack-friendly Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz likes to take sacks. He sits in the pocket too much, too long, yeah. and it kind of opens himself. And, and only has 18 other tackles. That's solo, combined, et cetera. Um, I, I mean, that's just not going to cut it in the NFL. One and a half sacks outside of that one game, that's not putting pressure on— Not as the number one overall yeah. pick. You got to put pressure on the on the offense, and to to help your de your defensive uh, backs. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. No, no, not at all. All right, Arizona at Minnesota, a spectacular one-handed catch by D Hop for that TD. Did you see oh, that yeah, one? That was beautiful. Um, that's the main note I had for this. Also, Kyler looks like a pissed-off teenager like all the time. It's the funniest thing. Yeah. He just sits and like pouts, like slouches, and right. looks like he's mad at everybody. Like I couldn't stand it. I yeah, he's uh, he's he's tough to root for sometimes, but yeah. um, it is funny to me still. Every time I see him trying to scramble, it just looks like a toddler running around out yeah. there. It's, it makes me laugh every it is, time. It's kind of funny. All right, uh, speaking of funny, Las Vegas at New Orleans. Um, New Orleans just finds 
a way to win with different tools, different looks. I mean, bring in Taysom Hill, and he'll score three touchdowns rushing and one throwing. You bring in um, and Andy Dalton, and he throws for touch uh, three touchdowns. It's just Andy this time had an average game, uh, but didn't turn it over, so that's good. And then they let Alvin Kamara just cook. It was his first yeah, touchdown of the year. He looked good. He looked good. He did. Uh, 62 yards rushing, 96 receiving with three TDs. He and really, I heard really there was some uh, rumblings popped. about him uh, – possibly getting traded I, uh, this before the trading deadline here a couple days ago. And obviously he did not move, but um, God, yeah, think guess... about what that would have done for like the Rams or uh, one of these teams that are, are or the, or Buffalo or somebody that really needs a running back right now. Well, the word on the new Orleans streets is they think they can win. Now they have a weak conference, which is true. Very Get them true. in the playoffs. They, you know, they could have an opportunity to win a few games and get to that Super Bowl. So if that's your position, that's what you believe, then you keep your talent because mm-hmm. no picks are going to be worth Alvin Kamara right now. Yeah, that's true. All right. We have New England at the Jets. I have I have no, oh. Zach, no Zach Wilson takes. We can skip that. I have, I have the, I still am doing the Zach line below, okay. but we can leave it there if you wish. Mac Jones is trying to lose this game. That was my first <laughs> thought. His throws are horrible. I'm not sure what he's saying. So he, I guess there's like COVID. If he, if he's close to Zach Wilson, he catches his inability to see the field. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm interested. You know that game was at the Jet. That was a home game for the Jets, it was. which makes it even worse how badly Zach Wilson played. Um, but I'm just imagining if that was a home game for New England, and uh, I mean they the fans the crowd would have been booing. Uh, Mac Jones and calling for uh, Bailey Zappi. What's I don't know what the hell his first name is. It's Bailey. Bailey. Okay, Bailey Zappi. Uh, yeah, I, and I think that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, th- I think that's it, that's going to be a tough deal for him. I mean, he's going to really need to start playing well, or it's going to be a long, long road for him. Indeed. All right. So Pitt, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Philadelphia Eagles. Philly's coming off their bye. I thought they looked good. I really feel like I would have wanted a little bit more than 28 points on that Steelers defense. Um, I thought uh, Kenny P in the offense moved the ball well, at least between the 20s. Um, A little bit better than I thought. Made some throws downfield. Um, I don't know if their running game wasn't doing too much, but Kenny Kenny was working at matriculating the field, Uh as it were. So, um, but a big win for Philly nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought uh, I was, yeah, like I said, I bet on this game thinking that, um, you know, they could they could get something going, maybe that it was finally, yeah, Kenny Pickett was finally starting to kind of come into his own and do some damage, but I just think not against that team. Yeah, uh, also note, uh, Jordan Davis looks like he has a high ankle sprain from that game. Out, I think he's out, out for out four, four to game, six weeks. Yeah. So he, they put him on the IR, yeah. so he's out at least four weeks. Yep, there you go. All right, Tennessee at Houston is next. Um, they started Malik Willis. Um, he was definitely taking his lumps. Uh, he didn't look that good. No. Um, one thing that it, one thing he certainly learned is the NFL windows close uh, very fast. Yeah. Um, although there was Captain America, Stephen uh, Derrick Henry, um, out there just running, running, <laughs> running just, over everyone. Like, can you imagine, like knowing? They're trying they, – that's – like, they loaded the box. Yep. They're like, we're going to not let Derrick Henry beat yep. us, and Derrick Henry beat you. 
Well, they apparently can't stop the run, which yeah. is a problem. And they're better at uh, uh, stopping the pass. Now, I did notice there was one touchdown. Um, I believe it was in the corner of the end zone. He uh, Derrick Henry runs in. All his linemen come over. And he's standing there amongst his linemen. I believe that the tape shows Derrick Henry at 6'2", like 220. There's no way. But he looks massive. In, yeah. Like next to those guys. He looks like a defensive tackle. I'm like, what is he, 6'4"? It's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's essentially the size of, what did, what did we say, um, Jim Brown. Yeah. They have almost identical measurables. Well, but imagine like Jim Brown back then like must have looked even bigger because oh, he's yeah. playing against, you yeah. know, your Uncle Morty who's a dentist in the offseason or something. <laughs> My Morty wasn't very good, trust me. <laughs> All right, so next game, um, a rather exciting Washington at Indiana game. So Indi- or Indianapolis. Indianapolis D is kind of holding it together. I think they did a good job kind of keeping that game close. Definitely the best unit on that team. Is- no one wanted to win the game like early on. And no. then Heineke, to me, looks better than Wentz. His team oh, rallies 100%. behind him. He- he's making throws, uh, especially on that last drive. He was Him moving and Terry around. McLaurin seem like yeah. they have a good connection. Yeah, that's important though. So yeah. I wonder what happens when Wentz comes back. Do you really pull Heineke if he's he, if he's playing like that? You know, no, I, I think you got to leave him. I mean, because he's what well, is he two and zero now as the starter? Uh, that's a great question. I believe he is. Okay, should have had that. My bad. <laughs> no, it's all okay. right. So next, he's for she's at least one and one. We know that. Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. No, yeah, he is two and zero. Yeah, I Remember? thought they won yeah, last yeah, week right. too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just I remember last week I said that the team just likes him, yeah, likes him better. You right. can tell, and that's important. That chemistry, All absolutely. Right. San Francisco at the LA Rams. Um, early on, this looked like a Mister Hyde game for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Just they I, they didn't look like they were doing anything, and then Christian McCaffrey goes out and throws the best thrown by a San Francisco quarterback <laughs> in maybe three years. <laughs> so he throws a thirty-four yard strike. Um, to Ayuk, uh, great play, great call at the right time. Uh, CMC's final numbers were 94 yards rushing and a TD, 55 yards receiving and a TD, 31 yards passing and a TD. That's the first person to do that since like 2002 or 2006, somewhere around there, and, and only a handful of guys to ever score a rushing, receiving, and passing touchdown in the same game. Yeah, he's uh, I have him on, I, excuse me, I have him on my fantasy football team and congratulations, man, he went off. I actually I have him and I have uh, Saquon Barkley. So it's like Team 2016. Wow, nice, just killing it this love year. It. Love it, love it. Well, uh, conversely, the Rams are in trouble. Uh, both the uh, offense and the defense are playing pretty poorly. Um, no one's scared of this team anymore. No. You know, there was an aura when you stepped on against that defense. Like, you got Aaron Donald in there, like, eating people for, for lunch. And it just doesn't seem like it's there anymore. Teams are not afraid to go head-to-head. Head, head head. They're moving up down the field on them. Um, man, it's, I, it's I, you know, I think be tough sledding for them going forward. You don't see it very often, but I think maybe sometimes at teams – especially with like a lot of veterans like that team has that you finally get that chip and then you're kind of satisfied. Well, this is, they they reap what they they sow as an organization, right? They gave up a bunch of um, 
draft picks to bring in guys to make to to make that moment happen. Yeah. And then now they have no real picks to bargain with to make their team better. They're going to be in full rebuild here pretty soon, is my guess. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right about that. And we'll, It'll be interesting to see if McVay sticks around for that, or if well, he let's see if on. he can accomplish it. Just think about if he's able to kind of navigate this. Well, let's look at the Pete Pete Carroll model. Everyone thought they were going to tank, and then for some reason, he's been able to get these guys rallied together. Now, maybe yeah. who knows next draft and um, off season they're able to find some key players and spots that are not doing performing very well right now and uh, Stafford you know a year older um, stops making you know shitty throws seeing the field a little bit better than yeah. who knows then but does right he back even want to stick around for a rebuild oh, oh, too, I don't know you know, I don't there's know. Lot well, of, that's lot my of point AD, if they're yeah. not in rebuild mode they're able to find the that's personnel true. that they need then they're set but that's a big if yeah absolutely all right New York Giants at Seattle. This I loved watching this game. It was a fun one. Um, the Giants' defense is really good. They're stout. Yeah. Um, they blitz Leonard a lot, Williams, too. Leonard Williams, man. Whew. If you're going up against this D, you just call, they're blitzing. There's no question. What's his name? Um, Wink Martindale yeah. is their defensive coach. He likes to blitz. He yeah, did I, that a lot with the Ravens, right, too. Right, right. Um, Seattle played efficiently offensively. They mixed uh, the run and the pass pretty well. Um, I think the key thing here was they were beating the Giants in, in all three phases, especially in special teams. They had a couple of takeaways there that put them in scoring position. Yeah, that, I think the ultimately pun, that the was punt the punt returns. The two the guy fumbled two punt returns. Yep. Like I'm, I'm getting carted off the field after the second one if I'm him too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a tough day. You could see it on his face. It was just like, yeah. man, this is not the day I wanted to have today. No doubt. No doubt. All right. But, so yeah, Geno Smith looked good, good again. He, yeah. I mean, and if he keeps his – the funny thing to me is that if he – I hope he keeps this up and I hope he gets um, just like one uh, MVP vote. Just because just that was one. always just just because that was always such like a Russell Wilson's like upset that he's never gotten an MVP vote in the NFL, and uh, I just would it would be such. Just, I'll tell you what, if I was a writer and I could vote, I would do that. Just throw just, him one, just, just one. to piss. Yeah, just me one. too. Think I would too, but I'm I'm a uh, I'm petty. So, hey man, what <laughs> do you want? Eat, we all are to a certain extent. <laughs> all right, Green Bay at Buffalo. Um, Buffalo should have won by more than 10 points. Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, Josh Allen showed a little 2008 blackout, Josh. He made a couple of bad throws, including one on the goal line that got intercepted. I feel like he gets bored sometimes. Like, he expected to win, so he goes out there and he's just like, you just flip it about yeah. it, just kind of like flipping the ball around and not really... I just I didn't know what was going on with that. And he stayed in front of the, the Packers because they're pretty bad on offense, but... Uh, I thought it was a very poor performance by him. I worry about that because uh, if you do get bored, it could be a problem when you face good teams in the playoffs. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Get lulled into a sense of uh, security there with the uh, like how good your team is, thinking you don't have to maybe. And they improved at, at the trade deadline. So Ooh, basically, yeah. they have to be careful. They're about the only team that can beat them. If yeah. they're not in it mentally or they're not prepared, then – they can miss out on an opportunity to win a Super Bowl this year. I agree, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that that's a. Uh, I do. I think they're by far the best team in the NFL right now. All right, in our last shit show, Cincinnati at Cleveland. Um, I think when I bet, I had no idea that um, Chase was out of this. Um, 
I was very high on Cincinnati after the last two or three weeks. I felt like uh, Burrow was trending up. Um, I picked him to win this game, obviously. Uh, but then, you know, Chase was ruled out. And just the offensive line stinks. Yeah. Ride receivers are dropping the ball. And the defense can't stop the run. I mean, Cleveland was like, that's why it didn't matter, Jacoby. You could have put Baker Mayfield back in there. And with that running game, they just were hitting him in the mouth. They were. I mean, it, it, it was the one of the ugliest games I've seen by by Cincinnati this year. And they, they had a couple stinkers early in, early in the season. And this was just – I mean, I didn't – I just didn't think – I mean, I guess – that he opens everything up for Boyd and uh, I'm blanking on the other wide receivers name T Higgins T Higgins yeah thank you uh, I mean I guess he really just opens everything up for those guys because they got you have to play too high so he doesn't get beat all the time right. and then that should open up your running game and stuff underneath yeah because nothing yeah Joe Mixon couldn't do anything like, it was just it was a a complete just destruction by Cleveland unfortunately and I have a surprise overreaction to Cincinnati as we get into my week nine predictions so uh, stay tuned for that all right all right so that's done for our observations for a week eight Um, we did have quite a few trade um, trades this week uh, leading up to the the deadline which was yesterday okay do you want to cover the couple from last week that you felt were were yeah so I called out I looked through and I just called out kind of the big stars and I think we can just kind of really quickly run through there and like give our take. So yeah. we have uh, San Francisco got Christian McCaffrey from Carolina. Carolina got a 2023 second, third, fourth round pick and a 2024 fifth round pick. When when right now mentality for San Francisco, I think it's a great trade. He looks great. Yeah, I felt like it was when I first saw the trade come across last week and I think I mentioned it on last week's episode. I was like, "Damn, you gave up a lot for a running back." But then it's like He's, He's not just the a running back player a, for Jimmy G. Yeah. He runs precise routes. He knows where to be. He knows about position. Even watching him last week, he ran those wheel routes and got right in that open space right there for Jimmy G. It's the yeah. only thing he can see in the field is right there. So he's always there. And then that, that initial, he always makes that first guy miss. Even if he's falling, he seems to get like two or three more yards. Right. So he's really great in space. He is great body control spectacular hands and he's just a smart player good yeah. pickup by san francisco yeah, for sure i think so too all right the next one I, you know this is not a really a good player per se he's not an all like an all pro or anything but i think it was a good decision considering what happened we have the new york jets got uh, running back james robinson from jacksonville for a 2023 conditional six round pick they really needed some back uh backup running back support when they lost uh Brees hall yeah yeah, I don't have much to add to that one. All right. We have Philadelphia got the um, defensive end Robert Quinn from Chicago for a 2023 fourth-round draft. I think I thought this was a great pickup when it was announced. I was like, hey, bring it. Hey, there's so much room on Philly Island right now, Eagles Island. Come on, let's do this. Yeah. Um, and I think this is going to be even more important now that um, Jordan Davis is kind of – out for a bit right they can cycle guys move them over slide bring him in on the on the end they can move him into a five technique i think they have some ability to play with that line i think he'll be there right at the right time so yeah seemed to seem like a good pick not not a whole lot to give up for a for a guy who had 18 and a half sacks last year yeah for sure all right kc got Kadarius tony from the giants uh for two 
2023 third round compensatory pick and a 2023 sixth round pick. Um, hey, you're taking a flyer. You need a guy that can um, get downfield. Um, th- that's their one weakness of the Chiefs is they don't have a guy that can like threaten downfield. Um, when so, he was a first round pick in 2021, he, he, he can't stay healthy is the problem. Yeah. And he's a bit of a, a pain in the ass too. So I think the Chiefs can handle the pain in the ass part. It's the healthy part. Hopefully, if he stays healthy for the rest of the year, I think this will be a great pickup. Stretch the field. We can work underneath a little bit more. I just think it just gives them options. So I think that's a pretty good pickup if it works, if he's if he stays healthy. Yeah, yeah, great. No, it's really good. All right, Baltimore got uh, Roquan Smith from the Bears, and the Bears got A.J. Klein, not sure who that is, another linebacker. linebacker yeah. um, the 2023 second-round draft pick and a 2023 fifth-round pick. So I don't know why they bailed on this guy. I think he's all-pro material. But, again, that shores up that, that – that linebacker position in Baltimore. And yeah. they already had a pretty scary defense. So, I mean, I was really hoping that Seattle would be in on this, but I, we talked when about I saw, that. yeah, nice. when I saw the, how much they had to give up for him and it's like, you know, who are you going to pay right now? Like, I don't know that I just don't think, I feel like our one weakness on defense right now are, and yeah. it's one player. If we it's can, Cody re- Barton. if we can replace him, He's played. He played really a lot last, better last this week. week. He last did week play he a lot better well. this week. So maybe they just think they have something figured out. But he, yeah, I was hoping they're, they're teaching him up, as yeah. Pete Carroll likes to say. Yeah, the, right. the depth is very thin behind him. So I, I would have liked to see us get a linebacker, but didn't work out this time. So great pickup for Baltimore, though. They needed another playmaker because they, you know, I mean, they're just. The defense is is pretty good, but just not kind of that Baltimore defense. Yeah, that they're we're giving used up. To. They're giving up yards in chunks. That yeah. that drive in the fourth quarter to uh, Tampa, you'd like to not have that. Yeah, and Roquan Smith is a tackling machine, so I expect him to step right in and yeah, and make a make a big big impact. Playoff Lenny who? <laughs> All right, Minnesota got the tight end T.J. Hawkinson from Detroit. They got him in a 2023 fourth round draft pick. Um, uh, 2024 conditional fourth round pick, and then the Detroit uh, Lions got a 2023 second round pick and a 2024 third round pick. Man, just all over the place with these. Yeah. I like Hawkinson. I think it'll be a good weapon for Cousins. Um, do I think the tight end position was the missing piece to the Super Bowl journey for the the six and one Minnesota Vikings? No, I think they'll only go as far as Cousins is willing to get them. Right, and I don't think a tight end ultimately makes that. But difference he for is them. one of the best young tight ends. And, exactly. So and, that's that's uh, giving the win, Kirk right? Cousins just giving that offense another weapon after. Uh, after Jefferson and Adam Thielen is exactly and, and Dalvin Cook is is good, I think. So my take as well. All right. Now speaking of Chicago, they don't seem to be giving up on uh, on Justin Fields because they brought in Chase Claypool from Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh got a 2023 second round draft pick, which seems odd to me that they essentially traded Roquan Smith for Chase Claypool. Sure, and and Chase has a year and a half left on his deal, so he's not even going to be there in this kind of window for a rebuild. Right. So they must really see something in Justin Fields, and their their defense is playing out of their minds right now. So maybe this is a good decision in that regard. All we have to do is just be able to move the ball downfield. Maybe Chase helps with that. Yeah, and maybe the the AJ Klein kid they got from Baltimore. Maybe they really like him too. Maybe we'll check this as wait and see. 
we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, for sure. All right, this one I really liked. Um, Miami uh, got Bradley Chubb, 2025, um, fifth-round pick, and Denver got um, Chase Edmonds, the running back, 2023 first-round draft pick, and a 2024 fourth-round draft pick. So a lot of, lot of picks moving around, but ultimately it's a, a Bradley Chubb for Chase Edmonds. So Denver <laughs> is able to have another and running Denver back. And getting to, a first-round pick back in there, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah, that should be pretty high. But, anyway, I think from a Miami perspective, they have a lot of players that are kind of play that Bradley Chubb space. This moves Ingram probably to the bench. Right. Um, so I wonder how they're going to play these players. But r- reminds me a little bit of the 2013 Seahawks where they had two uh, strong defensive ends in Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett. They'd move them all over the field. Uh, on a, you know, seven technique, five technique. Sometimes they put them on the same time or on the yeah. same side, having them stunning. I mean, there's tons of options that uh, defensive coordinator would be able to use um, a player of his caliber at. So right. we'll see how it works out for him. Yeah. And, and the final one that I wrote down, um, which is like, crazy to me, is Jacksonville traded uh, for Calvin Ridley. Um, somebody who's not actually in the NFL right now. He needs to be reinstated. You know, by the and NFL. Scott, at least the re- he's not coming back there till the earliest next year, I think, right? No, absolutely no. He, yeah. He's gone this entire season, so it will be 2023 before he gets an opportunity to play. Um, you must really think that Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, and Jones are going to be like a top ten. You know, well, they didn't really give much up for him either, though. Yeah, but I don't even know why you make the move. It seems right. Because like, what they gave up, uh, Atlanta got a 2023 fifth round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth round the, pick. Two, the two picks are conditional. And they're but, conditional on his ability to play. Right. If that, he doesn't play. That 2024 one, I think, can move up to be a second round pick. Like if it meets, like if he re-signs with them and plays in so yeah, many yeah. games next year or something yeah, yeah. like that. So. All right, maybe they're taking a gamble on. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I guess it's worth rolling the dice if the worst you have to give up is a fifth round pick and, and a fourth round pick next year. But, um, but yeah, it's that was an odd trade for sure. So it looked like it was gonna kind of be a more a crazier trade deadline scenario. But I mean, it we had a couple big names in there, but it was nothing crazy. It wasn't what I had uh it's not really like when you watch what's trading on twitter you're just like what alvin kamara be so you know you just go crazy none of that right. stuff actually happened but right. uh fun nonetheless did you have any other trades you want to discuss uh no that, that was it and there were there were a few other you know minor trades that people swapped went across. running backs yeah. and did a couple of things you know naheem hines i think went from buffer from uh to buffalo from yeah indianapolis which could Help yeah, them a little knows. bit more out of the backfield from but a catching perspective. I did hear Mike Garofolo on the radio Tuesday morning, and he said that uh, somebody was like, oh, what about Naheem Hines? Do you think maybe Seattle tries to get in on a little running back depth with uh, Rashad Penny out? And he was like, nobody is trading for Naheem Hines. And then like 20 minutes oh, later, he go. got traded. Yeah. So. <laughs> What does he know? Exactly. All right. So this brings us to our midseason playoff picture. So at every kind of checkpoint of the season, the quarter mark, halfway mark, and the three-quarter mark, um, we're going to kind of readjust our playoff picture, our top seven for each of the NFC and the AFC, and kind of figure out like what the differences are. So um, why don't you go ahead? Uh, so AFC, 
I have Buffalo as my number one still, uh, same as it was. Uh, Kansas City as my number two, same as it was. Baltimore is my three, same as it was. Um, and I, I had moved the last round of this. I had moved uh, Tennessee into the that four spot ahead of Indianapolis, and that, they're still there for me. Um, Miami, I think, moved up ahead of the Chargers, I believe. I had a, And I still have the Chargers as a um, wild card team. So my three wild cards, Miami, Cincinnati, and the Chargers, and I had those three – prior just in different order okay so they they just have they've just kind of shuffled each other um and so yeah five six seven is miami cincinnati uh, la chargers um we have the exact same afc one to seven okay so again i i had the chiefs one uh last time i i switched them in the bills the bills just look like a better team i had cincinnati at three i dropped them to wild card and uh, brought baltimore up um, I had the Jaguars at four. They looked like they were, you know, they had just destroyed the Chargers and were making a good run. And then all of a sudden they just fell off the planet. So Tennessee, yeah. you're back. <laughs> um, the one thing I did put in parentheses towards the bottom, that seven seed, I looked, I was taking a hard look at Cleveland. They're four and four after the win and they have some players, um, and they're getting back he who shall not be named. I mean, that's three weeks away. I mean, that's a whole different, you know, right. planet. And at who this knows? Point. He hasn't played in a year and a half. Yeah. So, so um, but I'm not putting it by just performance. I, I almost put out. Cleveland into my into that seven spot, but I, I kind of held them off. I, I want to see what what Me they too. do. That's over exactly this next, my thought. Yeah. Yeah. Over this next quarter of the season, I want to see where they're at. They're so. not consistent enough for me to put them in there. No. I just don't like the Chargers either, but. I think they're slightly better. They have a better they have a better roster and a better quarterback. So we'll yeah. see. And if they come if they're healthy, I think they're a better team. All right. So I'll start off with the NFC. Um, I have Philly at number one, Minnesota at number two. Uh, they they take that spot from the Packers. Um, I move San Francisco to number three. Atlanta, the winner of the. Um, NFC South, uh, Dallas at five, um, mostly because obviously Philly will be number one. I have Seattle at six and the New York Giants at seven. Uh, the only differences we had on our top seven was that I had Tampa Bay at four instead of Atlanta. And that was my, um, I believe I had Tampa Bay in there the last time as well as my, the winner of that division. So, I did as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just uh, I I just think there's there's too much talent on that team to to hand it off to to Atlanta or Carolina or New Orleans at this point. But I was really close to that seven seed. Um, I think if Atlanta or New Orleans can go on a bit of a run, like we talked about earlier, I think that that one of those guys could could definitely be competing for that division. Um, but yeah, other than that, we're, we were identical. So, so my take on Atlanta, I think they're a tough out. They've played really well. I think they're coached really well. Yeah. Um, I am selling the Buccaneers. I think they have the talent, but they're not playing together. Mm-mm. I think Tom Brady and that Super Bowl run brought everyone together and got them all on the same page and taught them how to compete and how to think. And all of a sudden, 
we have, you know, the case of the Mies or whatever that <laughs> that syndrome is. And then two years later, they can't, they're not playing as a team. They're pouty. They're, you know, there was a, I watched a clip where Devin White was late to get to the sidelines uh, and make the play. And I just like, I don't, I don't see the urgency in that team. And I don't know if they'll get it this year because their main guy, the the guy that pulls that all together and gets the team moving in the right direction is really going through some shit right now. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if he can kind of put his head down and get refocused and and get this team going in the right direction. It's the only way it's going to work. I guess we'll check in uh, week uh, 12 or 13 with, uh, with our next picks. Right. And next week we're going to do a little bit of a mid season kind of power rankings yep. and midseason uh, award award show for every for all the the big awards that get you know that come out at the end of the year. So that'll be fun. Yeah. All right, so week 9 predictions is where we're at now. I I only did 4 this week. There isn't okay. a lot of things that I liked. Not in love with this next week's games at all. And some of them are real uh, reaches. So bear with me here. I'm taking some big chances. Um, so my first one is Philly minus 13 and a half at Houston with the over 44 and a half. That's plus 210. I think Philly can run. Houston can't stop it. Philly's giving up a lot of uh, Philly is giving up a, uh, is giving a lot of points on Thursday night football. I understand that, but I have faith in my investment. That's really what it comes down to. I'll probably put some like a $5 bet in on this in real life, but I, it just was, I, I hate double digit point spreads in, in the NFL. I just hate them. I never know what side to bet on. It exactly. drives me freaking crazy. I'm nervous. So, yeah. I'm nervous, yeah. but like, Hey, you live once. Like, yeah, I, I got to yeah, do something exactly. here. So my next one is Carolina money line at Cincinnati with the over 42 and a half. Now I know this is a long shot. Carolina, to win this game it, at Cincinnati, uh, plus five uh, five forty five. Ooh, yeah, you can make up some. You can make a big dent in that. Exactly, uh, that debt. the money is good. That's yeah. the main reason I looked at this one. So yeah. Carolina is good at everything that Cincinnati Cincinnati is bad at. And where's the game at? Is it? In it's Carolina? in Cincinnati, okay. but I don't think it matters. Yeah, um, I expect a lot of pressure on Burrow. Carolina D can stop the run. There's no doubt. Cincinnati can't run. Uh, Carolina is good at a uh, good running team. Um, I don't know. This whole team competes. So it, it, what it comes down to, can Burrow beat that defense or can the Cincinnati defense stop that running game? I mean, I don't know. That'll it's be the, a, that'll the be an Chuba interesting missile one. crisis is coming <laughs> to Cincinnati. There you go. Now it's the Deontay Foreman. I've dude, I've loved that guy. Great. I've liked him. He was in Houston. And I had him on my fantasy team that just stashed away. Yeah. And he came in, killed it for like two, three games, tore his ACL, was out for the year. Oof, and just, this is him. He's finally back and like kind of up to par. So it's, I'm, I'm happy for him. All right. I got two more here real quick. Okay. We'll get through it. I got the L.A. Chargers at Atlanta with uh, Atlanta taking the money. Uh, plus 140 um, on that. Um, the Chargers have not shown that they are a consistently good team. Atlanta has showed um, a lot of resilience, and I think they have a better coach. So yeah. I'm kind of like being all things equal. It's in Atlanta. Um, I think Atlanta's better coached, and despite all of the talent the Chargers have, they don't really 
play up to that level. So okay. that's kind of a like just taking an Atlanta outright outright win. It's kind of a a risk, I, I guess. It. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> I All right, don't hate it. This one's crazy. So I bundled. Uh, I have three leg parlay bet. Um, it's plus four fifty three. It's money line on these three games. I have Seattle money line at Arizona. Okay. L.A. Rams money line at Tampa. I am selling the shit out of Tampa. Tennessee at Kansas City money line. Um, I'm picking these three teams to win, obviously. Um, the individual odds for these games were kind of crap, so I'm just like, why not bundle them and see what we can do? So. That's not a bad idea. Um, yeah, so I, I actually have the opposite on that Tampa Bay. I, I took Tampa Bay minus three versus the Rams. As that was like it my is third. at Tampa, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a standard. Thinking. And I just feel like, you know, it's gonna. I think Tom Brady's gonna. He's going through a lot right now. I think he's gonna kind of stand up and and uh, just figure out a way to to overcome like what he's going through. Well, right four now, four games field. in a row is gonna be rough. So let's look at to your point. Four games. Him losing four games in a row is it's probably that, never happened. Exactly. So that's that's one thing we have to contend with. He's at home. Um, those are those moments when really good players decide that they get. They, I can't lose this, and then something miraculously happens. Right. They he's there on Wednesdays for practice, and he's focused, and and the team is focused, and he's not going to let them lose. And he's in there taking hits so that he can get the ball downfield to his guys. So it depends on how he plays. If he keeps, if they keep doing what they did last week and the week before and the week before, they're going to lose again. That's true. That's what I'm putting money on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, so my next bet is Green Bay minus three and a half at Detroit. Um, I just feel like that should be a win again, yeah. like backs against the wall. Detroit can't stop anybody. Yep. I think this is a get right game for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but that's a, that's a minus payout, right? I mean, it's minus, yeah, it's minus minus one ten. Yeah. So, um, and then my third game of the week, uh, is Baltimore minus two and a half at new Orleans. I just feel like the Baltimore defense is getting a big boost from getting Roquan Smith in the mix. Um, I think, it seemed like that uh, I'm blanking on the kid's name, but there was a rookie wide receiver that was making plays all over the field for Baltimore after Mark Andrews went down the other night. Cause that, that was the other thing on that Thursday night game. Mark Andrews Duvernay. goes down. No, it wasn't Duvernay. Uh, it's some kid I've never even heard of. I wouldn't, if you said some random name you right now, know. I wouldn't even know. <laughs> um, but he, he really like did well. Um, it seemed like him and him and uh, Lamar Jackson were really in sync with one another um, just hoping that that can continue. I think Mark Andrews will be back for this game. So I think, uh, I, yeah, I just think think New Orleans is – I think uh, Baltimore is going to find a way to get this win. I think they're they're moving in the right direction. So. I think you're right too. Yeah, I just didn't want to touch the – for the money that I was getting on that one, I just didn't seem enticing enough. Taking some risk here, man. We'll see if it pays out. All right, did you have anything else? Nope, those are my three, and uh, I'm hoping to get back in the, in the plus this week. Uh at least on the weekly weekly roundup. So awesome, awesome. So we're at the point where we're uh, Jeremy's question of the week. So you had a question. Yeah. That you so to ask to Mike. Me? Yeah. Um, and this kind of ties in with my first kind of hot take or uh, take corner, or whatever we're calling it. Um, my question for you, Mike: How many of the 2021 NFL rookie quarterbacks uh, that were picked in the first round and have the option for a fifth year would you pick that up option up on at this point? Okay. After two, I guess we're only a year and a half into this. So 
things could definitely change for some of these guys. But, like, looking at right all now. five of these guys right now, and we're talking Trey Lance, Justin Fields. I got I got the list here. Okay, I'm just – so the people know I'm saying. Trevor uh, Lawrence. Okay. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. <laughs> all right, my bad. Go So, go uh, first pick of the draft, uh, first pick overall, Trevor Lawrence. Um, second pick overall, uh, Zach Wilson. Third pick overall, Trey Lance. Uh, 11th pick overall, Justin Fields. And the 15th pick overall, um, Mac, Mac Jones. Jones. Now, I added Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, Ilan Bro- uh, Ian Brook, and, or Book, and Sam Ellinger on that list just to kind of as an exercise to look at all of the quarterbacks that mm-hmm. were drafted in that particular one. Right now we're focused on just the first because yeah only first rounders have that fifth year option so So, to answer that question it is trevor lawrence i would give the fifth year option to right now same and justin fields yeah so now why trevor lawrence go ahead just the potential is still there he hasn't he hasn't looked terrible he hasn't looked great he hasn't looked terrible you're expecting him to keep advancing progressing. and progressing in his in his uh, the arm talent's undisputable yeah absolutely um he can run if I, they let him if they let peterson him. get your shit together yeah so i think the talent's there to your point zach wilson uh, this is a big one for you i know <sighs> go ahead i'm not i'm just he's I, I, terrible i think he's baker mayfield at, at his best and I just don't I don't think he has what it takes to to be a starting quarterback in this league. I'm not sure he will ever have that. Just looking at some of the throws that he made, it didn't even make any sense. You're outside of the tackle box, throw it out of bounds. He threw one interception trying to throw it out of bounds, and he threw another interception, both to McCordy, I believe, um, just tossing it downfield for some reason. Like I literally could roll out there and throw that pass to McCordy. So, I mean, if I can do it, he shouldn't be in the NFL, I guess. Trey Lance, this is probably the one I hedged on the most. Um, I think I probably give him the fifth year option just because you're, it's not that much money and you're hoping that he turns into a star. I think I want a year of him doing something. Yeah. Um, And then after that year, I can evaluate. So, you asked me this question next year, uh, week eight, week nine. Um, maybe I say yes, but Could right now totally it's a no. Yeah. yeah. And Justin Fields, man, I'm telling you, I've been saying it. This guy's balling. Uh, he looks good the last few weeks. Um, he has his flaws, but I think he's, we're watching him become a better quarterback, uh, in front of our very eyes. Um, he beat a couple of, or he competed with Dallas and he beat the, um, uh, the Patriots the week prior. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you've got I to give, give it I to give him. him a fifth. Yeah, year, I do yeah. too. And then Mac Jones. He's a dude. I, I think they, he could still turn it around. I think not and, a chance. You don't think so? Not a chance. Well, you can go get a Mac Jones in any draft in any round. They did. They call him Bailey Zappi. Okay. They already got it. Yeah. So there's no reason to give him a fifth year option when you can go get that level of quarterback play at in any draft in any round. Very true. Now, very true. Um, the one thing I did want to point out about Trey Lance, I know you sent me a meme from FanDuel's Twitter site about what the Dolphins got for the pick that they traded to yeah. San Francisco yeah. for Trey it's Lance. It's a decent haul. And it was basically they got Jalen Waddell, the pick that in the draft, the pick that they traded to Kansas City for Tyreek Hill, and the picks they traded to Denver for Bradley Chubb. So you're, you're getting – you're basically trading Trey Lance for 
two of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL right now and a premier defensive end. It's definitely something that makes you go, hmm, right? But it's not – you didn't know what those picks were going to amount to or who was going to take what in what order, so it's hard to tell, like, you know – Maybe we'll judge it at the end of, of careers here, but I don't know. To move up to the third spot from where they were, that's what it costs. So, yep. Congratulations. Absolutely. You have Trey Lance. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll see how that we'll goes. We'll see him next year. Yeah. All right. Um, any other questions? Uh, no. All right. No, let's move on to our take corner. As always, we start the take corner with the Zach line live from the Republic of Drazakistan. All right, so we have, uh, he went 20 for 41 uh, this weekend, 48% completion, 355 yards passing. That's not bad. Two, in, two TDs, three interceptions, and he had two sacks for a total of 19 yards. Just for you guys out there, so you don't have to do math, that's 10 yards a sack. That's not good. Um, he did have a tackle, though. That's good. Presumably as a result of an interception he threw. <laughs> so good job. Um, that is what I think will be probably our last Zach Wilson watch. Um, but I wanted to get that in there for this week. Yeah, I'm waiting for them. I mean, I probably, and I don't even know, I turned the game off. Maybe they did pull him out at the end, but I, I would be looking at Joe Flacco moving forward just to, because that defense is too good to waste on, on a guy that just not, does not seem ready. Flacco's going to throw interceptions, but they're not going to be those interceptions. Absolutely. So, um, all right. Well, yeah. Go go ahead. I know you have. Uh, I got like a few five here. or six. Yeah. yeah. I only I've only got one. So why don't you go ahead if you're one? And, oh. Okay. Um, yeah. So mine uh, is just it, it still relates to those 2021 quarterbacks, and it's just I, I texted you during at the end of that Jets game after I tried talking trash to you prior <laughs> in the first quarter. Um, and just said, you know, I the this was thought of as one of the best quarterback class, rookie classes in in a while, decades. Probably I mean, 2012. They, they were, well, and they tried to they tried to compare it to like the '83 draft when it was all starting. And I'm like, man, that's that's pretty uh, elite company, you know, because that's a Dan Marino and all yeah, those guys. Elway, and, yeah, Elway, Jim Kelly. Um, and and this they'll be lucky if this class if this quarterback draft classes remembered as average well i did say that if you look at the numbers the first round quarterbacks only about 50 of them 50 percent of them succeed we're pretty much in line for that this year um i think trevor lawrence justin fields probably have an opportunity a higher than average opportunity uh, potential to succeed i am giving trey lance the benefit of the doubt just not enough reps he looked good in, in from what i saw maybe the stats don't reflect that but he looked good um, when I saw him playing, but I think Zach Wilson and Mac Jones are pretty much bottom of the barrel at this point, as far as they go. So we're we're about a fifty. I feel I kind of feel bad comparing uh, Mac Jones to Zach Wilson because Mac Jones looks light years ahead of Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson just looks terrible. I mean, uh, he Mac Jones looks terrible. Just he's nowhere near the planet that Zach Wilson is on. I think Mac this. Jones is regressing to Zach Wilson. He is regressing though. Yeah, that, that is true. It's like Zach Wilson is like this large planet with this gravitational pull. And Mac Jones is like a moon that's like getting closer. Right. It's, it's going to be, it's going to destroy a civilization <laughs> when they collide. Oh, man. I All could right. see it. All right. So, <clears throat> 
let's get started, I guess, with some of mine. So, yeah, let's go. Um, you know, when I used to, when you look at teams in a division, like who's the best, normally what you look at is you can, there's a, a line that you can draw to the, who has the best quarterback, right? And I was taking a look at, um, and if in, in the case of the NFC South, I would say Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the best quarterback by far in that division. Therefore, ergo, T- Tampa has to be the best team. Right. And this is where I'm like, I'm not sure. I mean, you're looking at P.J. Walker, Carolina, Marcus Mariota for the for the division leading Atlanta um, Falcons. Andy Dalton is starting, and, and Jameis is healthy. Uh, Tom Brady for... Um, the Buccaneers. I guess by the numbers, Tom still looks better, but the team looks like like garbage, basically. So, yeah. it's this is a really really tough conference, or I'm sorry, a division to kind of figure out because all it's the hard, measurables yeah. that you normally look at are not there. No, it, it, it's yeah, you don't know what to think of that. But I, you know, I'm not. Seattle's already lost to two of the teams from that division, and uh, didn't we lose to Atlanta and? Uh, and New Orleans, yep. and so I mean, who well, knows? We weren't playing like this. No, it's true. The defenses since that we played them early too, but yeah, I, I I'll come back to that Atlanta game because that was the one that really kind of like we're not going to be able to get to that the number that I that we talked about earlier, like, right? In the preseason, but I'm going to come back to that here. Um, just a quick observation. I'm seeing a lot of tight end screens. What's what's your take? I mean, I've never seen this many tight end screens. Yeah. Um, no more this, running back screens. It's all tight ends now. Yeah, I know. And they don't. I've seen a few of them just get blown to smithereens too before they even develop. And I, I'm not sure why. Um, but yeah, I mean, what? Um, what's his name? Last week for the Seahawks got that little shovel pass weird. Was screen. it Disley? Disley, yeah. yeah. Yeah, who, I mean, remember, do you remember when we re-signed Will Disley last year, or the Seahawks re-signed Will Disley, and people were up in arms that we gave him so much money? He's really, he's earning his money this year. He's looking great. Well, we're running 12s right now for the most part. Right. So, yeah, it's just, it's just weird. I haven't seen this much, like, tight end engagement. You know, back when, you know, you watch, like, Dallas Cowboys, and what was that, that compiler tight end that they used to have that was on Monday Night Football? He would just go out, catch a ball, and that's it. You know, maybe three catches a game, mm-hmm. maybe a touchdown every three or four games, just really, like, average. And now they're moving tight ends all over the place. They're in screens. They're moving them out uh, into the receiver position. They got them in motion. Uh, just all, all sorts of crazy things with the tight end. Maybe that's the next kind of evolution of the game is uh, tight ends. Um. So this goes back to that Seattle win total. I'm ashamed that I written Seattle off, honestly. Me too. Um, I'm, I'm angry at myself. I have no one to blame but myself. Um, I really believe we are most certainly going over uh, this year. So even just a great win versus the Giants. Um, I thought this was one of the matchups that we needed to have. I also thought Atlanta we needed to have. Um, it was a little higher on New Orleans. Um, was shocked that we were in that game, but... Um, Man, this defense is pulling together. I think we can get to seven wins easy this year. So, I, I, if we don't, it's that's a that's a failure at this point. I mean, we already failure. have five. So, so uh, another observation: I was watching Thursday night football, um, Baltimore in Tampa Bay, and it seems like the crowd 
crowds on these Thursday night football games are not loud and raucous at all, right? And I might, and I was thinking like, does alcohol is alcohol the real thing that contributes to home field advantage? Yeah, because you got your your people out there. They're tailgating, they're drinking their butts off all day, and then they get in there and then they scream and talk loud because that's what drunk people do. Even on Monday nights, it's like a like a special event, right? You take days off to go to Monday night football. It's been going on for like fifty years and you know, everyone wants to go be a part of it. Thursday nights, like you I don't know. You're in, you're in Tampa. You're you're just like ah, I'm gonna run over to the game real quick, and you pull in. Maybe have a couple beers, but you're just kind of, oh, actually, I gotta work tomorrow. It's just like a whole thing. It's in the middle of the week. I wonder if it really matters, you know? Yeah, uh, no, I, that's a good point, man. I never, never, I've never thought of that. But it sounded like a COVID game. Yeah, it was not. Yeah, it was, and that and that was a. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's that's pretty shocking, that uh, that that it was yeah, it was really dead. It was really really dead. It was yeah. shocking to me too. It matters so. though, you know that that noise like at the when we're, at the Giants game, it mattered that our our crowd was like screaming. Yeah. At the, at the, well, yeah, at the I mean, Giants. yeah, Seattle fans never miss an opportunity to be loud and drunk for the most part. So <laughs> it goes hand in hand, apparently. Yeah. All right, cool. So Dan Snyder. This is the new Dan Snyder news. Right, right. I know this kind of Um, broke today. Yeah, so he owns 100% of the Washington Commanders. Um, He has hired the Bank of America Securities to begin the the franchise valuation process in preparation for a potential, I think, eventual uh, sale of the team. Now, I took a look at the top five teams as far as value goes for 2022, according to uh, Forbes, Forbes Magazine. Um, number one, no surprise, Dallas Cowboys at eight billion dollars. Number two, uh, New England, uh, six point four billion. The LA Rams, six point two billion. The Giants, six billion. Chicago, five point eight billion. Now, the sixth is the uh, is the Commanders at five point six billion. Now, what does the selling of this franchise from one of the most toxic people in the owners in the NFL? Um, what does it do to Washington's valuation? This is a question I'm asking, I guess, you. Um, is the controversy um, currently baked into that evaluation, do you think? Like, I don't think so. I like mean, if it wasn't Dan Snyder, it was somebody that was nice and the community loved him, would that be worth 5.8 or would that be worth $6 billion? But because it's Dan Snyder, does that drop that valuation down there with all the legal problems that they're having? I wonder. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question. With Dan, uh, Donald Sterling selling the Clippers um, a few years back, they, I mean, it sold. Steve for Ballmer billion. sold it. For, no, two billion. Was it two billion? Yeah, oh, but sorry. still, but the the previous sale was the Milwaukee Bucks for like four hundred million. So, you know, you go from and you they, they didn't even have their own arena at that. They, they still don't have their own arena. He's building one for them Inglewood, in Inglewood. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think it matters. I think these rich guys want in that club so badly that they will pay. It's probably going to go for more than. No, I I have, I have no doubt that somebody will pay more than that. But when you talk about valuation, like when Forbes goes in, I I presume look at some financial numbers, they had income and all this other stuff. And you think about the market at it's in, obviously Dallas, um, 
just it's a marketing mecca new england they're they've been winning the rams they just put up a new stadium so that's part of the valuation they're so intertwined with the nfl with the nfl uh, offices there as well and near the stadium the giants are in the largest market in in um in the yeah. country so there's some valuation baked in based on those factors so i wonder if the same type of logic goes if you have an owner that's a problem like does that decrease the valuation you know yeah, i guess we'll I never know yeah just i know we'll that question. I, I think if the legal questions i think is what it comes down to with that i don't necessarily know like just if you have a shitty owner like robert sarver for instance um, but with Daniel Snyder, I mean, he's in a world of trouble on a, on a, a multitude of different issues, right? Like this just the, breaking today. Uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia have opened a criminal investigation into the allegations that the commanders engaged in financial improprieties, sources confirmed to ESPN. That's a problem. And, well, yeah, I mean— it, We talked about that um, on our Hot Takes episode— um, before this season started, like what potentially could have gone down with that? Interesting stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. That that's it, it'll be interesting to see what how that all boils down. What happens if they get a new ownership group that everyone loves, uh, and perhaps even a new stadium? I think FedEx was put up, you know, around two thousand. Um, where where can Washington jump to because of that fan base, because of the location? Uh, in that DMV area. I mean, they definitely have people that are willing to pay and do all that kind of other stuff. Does, does it go from 5.6 into, um, I don't know, can it get into top five? Can it, can it touch Dallas? I don't know. What do you uh, think? I think it could, I think it'll be close. I you do think, think it can drop, do you think it can jump with those thick fact, new ownership group, new stadium? Um, do you think it can get to top five? Yes. Do you think it can get to the one seat? Do you think it's the valuation above eight million? No. Eight billion, rather. No. Okay. All right. Also, let's think about this. This is a really good opportunity for the NFL to really promote a black ownership group. Um, I guess, like, what are the implications if this does happen? Um, what are the implications if one presents a package and the NFL o- owners decline or vote against the offer? It has, I think it's two thirds vote, three fourths vote. Like what are the implications if these guys decide to not allow a majority, um, I guess a minority business, you know, ownership group. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I into the club. It's interesting thought. Yeah. I I don't know if they would, I mean, man, what a PR move. The most, the most racist team in the history of the NFL now is owned by a a, a black ownership group. It'd be great. In chocolate city. In chocolate. Yeah. It would be great, man. I know. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if Obama's trying to get into the uh, NFL. I know he's trying to, to be a part of the Phoenix suns ownership group, but, Mm. uh, that would be that. That would uh, I don't know. I wonder how. Uh, with that, I wonder how uh, you know political lines would would uh, cause problems there. But no, I mean, yeah, I, I would I would really hope that it would go to a to a minority owned ownership group. That would be fantastic. 
Yeah, so some more uh, potential unanswerable questions here. So what does this mean for the legacy of Jerry Jones, uh, the quote unquote most, maybe self-proclaimed most influential owner? So uh, by all accounts, Jerry was supporting Dan's uh, opposition to selling. I mean, what changed? Why is he now looking into it after this, after the owner's meeting? Jerry Jones is like, everybody's going to do what I tell them to do. And it just doesn't seem like that's the direction we're heading. Yeah, I think he just got enough. There was enough backlash against that. And, you know, there was kind of um, what some documented stories of, of owners, you know, standing up to Jerry Jones with this stuff. So yeah. with Bob Kraft and uh, also Jim Irsay. So. I think at some point you cause enough noise and you cause enough problems and you make enough threats and you start to, you know, make these enemies. Um, it all seems like with all these ownership controversies in the NFL, you know, racist language, toxic work environment, sexism, sexual assault. Um, they have to like stop the the bleeding at some point. Like we have to get this guy out of here. It's bad press. We have two active um, congressional hearings that we're having to answer to and Goodell has to answer to. We got to stop this. So, yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out over the next, you know, probably three to six months, I would think. I wish I could have put money on, like, him having to sell the team because I would have just won a bundle. Right, I know you've been calling that for, for, a, for a while now. All right. Um, so that's all I had for the take corner. Um, so let's move into some diversity. Yeah, absolutely. Right. What do you got? I'll let you lead. Um, so, uh, it was my birthday this last weekend well, and, happy uh, birthday. yeah, thanks Mike. Um, had a couple of drinks, had a couple Saturday. drinks we did. And, uh, we, on Saturday night, we watched the, uh, Jake Paul, uh, fight, yep. which was entertaining to say the least. Um, but you know, it, it, I mean, he was fighting a senior citizen. He was fighting a senior citizen. Uh, but Le'Veon Bell, uh, former, former, uh, New York jet and, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler, maybe he might have played Kansas for somebody Chiefs, else. Yeah. Kansas City Chief, yeah, uh, is now fighting. I guess he started training fighting about six years ago, um, probably around the time that he took that year off from the Steelers, and uh, a, you know he's got his ass beat by Uriah Hall, who's a former uh, MMA fighter, um, which was yeah. That's just kind of they always put these kind of interesting fights between two people that aren't just like a TKO, right, or a decision? Fight. Yeah, it was, it was a decision. Uh, wasn't it a TKO? I think it was a TKO. Okay. Um, or they, yeah, they stopped it at some point, but it wasn't, it didn't look no, it good. went four rounds. Oh, you're right. Yeah. It was only a four rounds though. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, but he got pummeled, like he lost I think four yeah. rounds to none. So his technique didn't, um, wasn't there. And then yet. Jake Paul, uh, yeah, Jake Paul beat a senior citizen and probably like might've lost if you didn't knock him down in that second to last round yep. there. So. Well, that's what you could do. It was, uh, you, you last interesting. and then you get that shot in. Yeah, interesting, like fun, kind of a fun night, drink, yeah, having a few awesome. drinks yeah, and, awesome. and watching watching a little fights, uh, you know, boxing matches. and Yeah, good time. So that was my number one. All right. So I watched this movie called The Good Nurse on Netflix. It's actually based on a true story uh, whereby an unexplained patient death, deaths, plural, begin to happen at the protagonist's hospital. Protagonist was played by Jessica Chastain. Um, it basically went like blah, blah, blah. The guy was convicted of killing 20 patients, uh, suspected of killing over 400. The real story of this movie for me was Namdi Asamoah played the 
lead detective in the case. Really? Now, Jessica Chastain won the movie. I mean, that's no surprise to anyone. But Namdi was throwing 100 miles an hour for this performance. I loved it. And I just for that alone, if you end up watching The Good Nurse, it's, it's good enough where if, like, you got a couple hours to kind of, like, chill or veg, it's a good watch. But watch Namdi. It's really, really good. Now, when I, when, when I saw him, I was talking about uh, him to my wife. Um, I was saying that um, there was a time when this guy was the best cornerback in the NFL. And I said that he had signed this huge contract and pretty much was never seen again. And I didn't right. know I didn't know what was Carrie, going on. Kerry Washington's husband. Exactly. So um, I, I come to find out. I don't even know if I would have picked that out, though, that that was him in the show. Did you know going in that he was in it? I did not. <clears throat> you just... I just could know, recognize. I him. just know, yeah, yeah. I knew what he looked like. Um, so, Angie starts looking him up to figure out like what happened and all this kind of other stuff. And I guess he started to go colorblind in two thousand nine. I did. I heard. I remember hearing that. So my mind was blown. I had no idea. So then I start diving into his stats. Right. So two thousand six was his breakout year. He had six interceptions, a touchdown, nineteen passes defended, and fifty one tackles. This is where he establishes himself as one of the uh, the league's premier lockdown defenders. So over the next four years, they really don't throw at him. He successfully descend, defends thirty passes during that period of time, and obviously he's ascending to probably the top top two, three, certainly top five cornerbacks in the league. In 2009, of course, he discovers that he's colorblind. Um, he finishes up his last year with the Raiders contract in 05, or 2010, rather, and then signs with Philly for five years, $60 million. And then he's out of the league within three seasons. So he plays 2011 and 12 seasons with Philly, plays most of those games. I think he missed two in 2012, and um, he played four games for the 49ers in 2013. And I just wonder if there is a correlation to the colorblindness and being out on the field and trying to identify what team you're or what person you're supposed to be covering and stuff. And if that at, in, in any way led to his significant decline in, in, you know, NFL like physical ability. Now, obviously, he went on to be an actor and things like that. And I like I thought, like I said, he brought it in this movie, but I thought it was just an interesting little dive into kind of potentially what happened it was always a mystery to me but i think i i think we solved it here today yeah yeah that's uh that's that is interesting that's uh and i i do like i said i do remember hearing that he had gone colorblind and uh, was having some issues but um yeah must have you know through his wife gotten into into the got the acting bug and and gotten out there that's that's very cool all right did you have another one uh you go ahead all you right have another one yeah. i do I do have one more, but okay. I'm I'm uh, confirming one fact before we sure. Before we... <laughs> <laughs> um, my my last one today is Atlanta season four episode eight. It's called uh, the goof that sat by the door. I had no idea what this was about. Oh man, I haven't watched this one yet. It is. Well, I'm going to give you a little. I won't give you the. I guess okay. the whole thing. But I mean, you should watch it anyway because spoil, oh, spoilers are it. not. Spoilers are not. It's amazing. So for the audience, it's, it's based on this um, analysis of the goof. Um, this was put out by Goofy's creator, Art Babbitt, in combination with the uh, bitch you live like this meme um, and the idea that Goofy is a black character 
and was and there was some art out there being uh, depicting him as doing traditionally black activities, you know, playing basketball, getting his hair cut at the barbershop and et cetera. So that's kind of like the core principles of how this story came about. So before I get into the next part here, I wanted to give you the analysis of the goof that as written by its creator, Art Babbitt. OK, think of the goofy as a composite as actually it's think of the goof as a deposit of the everlasting optimist a gullible good samaritan a halfwit a shiftless good-natured colored boy and a hick he is loose jointed and gangly but not rubbery he can move fast if he has to but would rather avoid overexertion so he takes what seems to be the easiest way. He's a philosopher of the barbershop variety. No matter what happens, he accepts it finally at being for the best or at least amusing. He is willing to help anyone and offers his assistance when it is not needed and just creates confusion. He very seldom, if ever, reaches his objective or completes what he's started. His brain, being rather vapory, is difficult for him to concentrate on any one subject. Any little distraction can throw off his train of thought, and it is extremely difficult for the goof to keep his purpose. Wow. Right. So this is and like thinking of that now, like as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, my God, like, how did I never see this as in all these years? I, I, I'm I'm amazed that the writers were able to come up with this for this show. Bro, and, and Atlanta is the if you're people if you're not watching Atlanta, you sh- need to be watching Atlanta. It, it blew my mind. It so, is amazing. So the story with those principles in place um, is essentially about a black animator at Disney that gets accidentally voted in as CEO in the early '90s when uh, Michael Eisner, uh, the, the current C- that the CEO at the time, takes a sabbatical. This guy's name is Tom Washington. And while in that position, he decides he wants to make the, quote, blackest film ever. And that turns out to be the Goofy movie. So he starts writing it with those you know, things that we mentioned in mind, this analysis of the goof and the identification as Goofy as, as a black character. And kind of they look at <laughs> all of these things that are in that movie and how he, you know, they come up with some theories about how he wanted it and how it was really an ode to him, uh, his black experience and his relationship with his son. And then he wanted to throw, they were down, they said they were down to this like detailed level. Um, for example, the map in the movies, like the squiggly line that goes everywhere. And that was a representation of the, the green book pass that one had to take to navigate the South, you know, back in the day. And I mean, this really just like all of those things uh, just really hit. They nailed this. I think it's one of the best um, episodes that they've ever had. It's super creative. It's pulled from history. Um, I love it. Nice. I'm, I'm, that's, I, I watched uh, the episode well, episode seven the other night, and I have to catch up on eight. So I'm, I'm super anxious to watch that. But. Now I'm even more anxious, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Um, is that all you got? On yeah, that, that that's okay. all I got for diversity um, today. So my uh, my last one, I had 
so I saw a documentary on Netflix probably three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And I, I started watching it and it was called, um, it's uh, called Facing Nolan. It's about Nolan Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. And didn't, I, I started it, watched it for like 10 minutes and I was just like, wasn't in the mood to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Turned it off. Well, I heard the director on a podcast that I listened to on Monday morning and he, like, how he described this movie, like, just made, like, got my juices flowing for a new documentary, um, especially a baseball one. So what did he say? Well, he said, so he said, you know, Nolan Ryan, he said that him and his, um, and I can't remember what the name of their company is, but uh, the director and his um, directing partner were get. he said they were getting a little bit of buzz going about their documentary career and they're both from texas they really wanted like nolan ryan one of their heroes uh really wanted to do this film nobody they were like i can't believe nobody's ever done a documentary about nolan ryan he was you know this crazy pitchers seven no hitters which is three more than anybody else in major league history he had like 18 uh 18 no hitters going into the eighth inning though so he lost no hit he lost like 10 11 more no hitters in between the eighth and ninth inning which is crazy right Bonkers, yeah. um but he said uh he was able to meet with the with nolan ryan's two sons and their daughter it, well it was just he just met with oh, the, two the two sons, sons first uh or he was able to to be in communication with them they said my dad's you know he's super humble like, I'm not sure why you even want to do this documentary. Like, we get it. Like, he was a great baseball player, but you're not going to find – there's no, like, womanizing in his past. There's no drugs. There's no cheating, nothing like that. Um, but, you know, like, if we can get our mom in the room, we might be able to get him to do it. She was amazing. So, yeah. And uh, so they he the director said that um, they, they went to Nolan Ryan's house. Nolan Ryan was in the next room in his office while they were making the pitch, basically, to the two sons – and uh the mother or the, and and his wife and uh he said that they you know didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks they asked nolan ryan if he wanted to come in for the meeting actually first i should say that first he said no but he's like i'm pretty sure he was listening in the whole time yeah and uh so anyway he said a couple of weeks went by he heard from the kids and they were like he'll do it and uh he heard through back channels then that basically the mom or his wife went to him said I want you to do the documentary. He said, no. She said, you're doing the documentary for your kids and your grandkids. <laughs> and he said, yes, ma'am. And did the documentary. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was great. Like I was at the game when he threw his arm out in the kingdom in 93. Yeah. So we were that, living in the Dallas area when he threw that seventh no hitter. Oh, really? Yeah. My, my brother was a huge Nolan Ryan fan. Yeah. He, he was, he was great. I mean, it I remember we had watched him pitch yeah. um, once or twice while we lived there. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was, it was just uh you know, it was just an enjoyable documentary. It took, took my mind off of the BS of life for a couple, an hour and a half or what it's, it's yeah. not too long. It didn't feel too long. It's crisp. Yeah. yeah. You can get and, through it pretty and, easily. Uh, and yeah, it just, it, it kind of touches on from his childhood to, to where he is now. And um, it, it was just, it was a nice, nice documentary. I enjoyed it a lot and thought I would uh, share it here. So yeah, man, that was a really good one too. I agree. Yeah. So anyway, on that note, Mike, I, we got done in like, we're only at an hour and a half, man. That's Shit. insane. Cause I had like, this is the <laughs> most, my, uh, one note has been f- I filled bet, out. Yeah. <laughs> we zipped through. This was so. efficient. Good yeah. work. Nice job, buddy.
All right, Jeremy, in light of your decision to see Zach Wilson, your Zach Wilson addiction for what it really is, I think you're ready for the following mantra. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, Zach Wilson. The courage to change the things I can, my opinion, though, Zach Wilson. And the wisdom to know the difference. Beautiful. Until next week, guys, please like, rate, review, share, all that good stuff. We're on all the podcast platforms. Appreciate you all. Peace.